This week, our producer, Adam Gabeski, wanted us to watch Orca, the 1977 thriller <laughs> about a killer whale. But instead, we decided to watch The Apartment with our good friend, Megan Haneke. Welcome to Cinematic Respect, the show where we bring our friends in to see some movie that, for whatever reason, they haven't seen before, and, uh, you know, we lightly, lightly mock them, then have them watch the movie, and we get together and talk about it. You know, I'd like to transition away from the uh, light mocking okay. and get into more, like, legit heavy mocking. or legit mocking, <laughs> if we could. <laughs> We're already past the first couple of episodes, so. <laughs> okay, good to know, good to know. <laughs> uh, so our guest today is Megan Henneke. And she had never watched The Apartment. I can't believe it. What a scandal. Oh, wait, I didn't either. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) I know, I dared to admit it. So there's actually more uh, inexperienced movie watchers in this room right now, as far as this movie goes, than me. So I'm outnumbered. (laughs) It's one of of my favorite movies, actually. And I'm sure people are probably going to disagree with me, but (laughs) especially considering some of the themes of this film. (laughs) <laughs> yes, the <themes>. attitudes <laughs> the prevalent in the time themes. period yes so yeah megan how is it that you never happen to see this film <laughs> i had i haven't seen a lot of black and white movies overall okay. actually i don't think do it. you avoid black and white movies no not or really. is it more just... of a time period like there's a cutoff like 1960 and before you tend not to watch movies i would have to be like deliberate if i was going to watch a movie oh, that like was made like pre like like this like right. i'd have mm-hmm. to have an excuse someone would have to ask me to do it or it's like oh on saturday i'm watching this movie or i'm going to try to make it through the afi list or i'm going to try to make it through all the oscar winners or something right. like that which i haven't done before but this did this did win an oscar it did so best yeah, picture won best in picture. fact yeah. yes <laughs> Which I guess we could talk a little bit more about whether it deserved Best Picture. <laughs> I don't know. Not. What was it up against? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I don't know what that was. Uh, but why don't we start off with a little bit of uh, synopsis about the movie for people out there who uh, haven't watched and didn't decide to watch before the show. Yeah, so, I can't believe what, what horrible, we were doing. Horrible, horrible. Did you have big Saturday garbage plans? Garbage people, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the movie starts out with our hero, uh, C.C. Bud Baxter. And he's, you missed uh, the quotes, the air quotes. Yes, there were some air quotes in around there. Around hero. <laughs> <laughs> also around Bud. So around hero and around Bud. Who uh, it was working as an insurance claims adjuster, maybe, or an insurance agent in New York City. There are so many people in the job that he has that the only way to really move up is to lend out his apartment to executives that... Uh, are, I guess, involved in affairs with usually other people from the office building and a lot of... Flandering married men. Yes, a lot of flandering married men. And Mm -hmm. that's a lot of the humor that starts out the first 25 minutes of the movie is the hijinks that ensue and he can't get into his apartment, etc. So Baxter's boss, Mr. Sheldrake, actually wants the key to this apartment as well, which uh, Baxter is happy to do and ends up getting a promotion as a result. And at the same time, uh, Baxter meets Fran Kubelik, played by Shirley MacLaine, who is an elevator operator and starts up a flirtation with her, but later finds out that she's the one who's actually involved with his uh, boss, Sheldrake. At the Christmas party, um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, party doesn't do it justice. <laughs> so at the rave of a Christmas party, <laughs> he finally figures out that uh, Miss Kubelik is involved with Sheldrake, comes back to his own apartment to find that Sheldrake has brought Kubelik there and rejected her, and she's taken sleeping pills and 
attempted to commit suicide. There's and a then hijinks ensue. And then hijinks ensue <laughs> again. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that, I think that's about the point where the hijinks stop <laughs> yes. for the rest the of the movie. movie. The movie takes a, a dark turn at that juncture. <laughs> waiting for hijinks. <laughs> There's a good 48-hour uh, rehabilitation scene where Shirley MacLaine gets better and then goes back to Mr. Sheldrake. But eventually, Mr. Sheldrake asks to use the apartment again, at which point Baxter refuses and loses his job. And when Shirley MacLaine realizes that he's been refused, she realizes that Baxter is the person that she really wants to be with, runs away, meets up with them. Ta-da. Happy ending. <laughs> oh my gosh, the sun sets on a glorious day. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Megan, what was what did you think that this movie was going to be about before you watched it? Uh, I remember the first time I watched it, it was quite a bit different than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, for me too. I actually had no, I didn't know what it was going to be about at all. And I had never actually heard of it before I watched. I watched the Oscars this year and I watched Charlize Theron do a memorial. Or no, she's not dead. <laughs> do, <laughs> do a, to honor Shirley MacLaine. She talked about how good Shirley MacLaine was in the apartment. I thought it was really touching. And so when I saw the apartment on the list, I said I wanted to watch that. And I thought it was just like a real comedy. Like I didn't think it was a dark comedy. I, did, I thought it was going to be... A really lighthearted comedy, which it was not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. As I as I admitted earlier, you know, much to my chagrin, that I've also not seen this movie beforehand. I was in your boat where I'd looked up just the barest barest of mm-hmm. you know plot synopses on online, and it was just oh, you know, this lighthearted romantic comedy type film. And um, known that it was uh, directed by Billy Wilder, I was not expecting expecting the darkness <laughs> either. <laughs> <laughs> There's a point, the, well, the point at which she tries to commit suicide, where mm-hmm. almost everything after that point, it, there's not quite as much of a comedic edge. The first half of it starts out almost like a, uh, a send up on corporate life and mm-hmm. living single in yeah. New York in the 60s. And once we get past that juncture, then it's really just a completely different kind of movie. Honestly, the only comedic moments I feel like after that point are like bittersweet comments that Shirley right. McLean's character will make. You know, themselves are a little bit funny, but in the context are sad. <laughs> and there's a lot of, I think this shows up in a lot of other Billy Wilder work too, a lot of wordplay mm-hmm. and like little slight asides where like they're having some long conversation and somebody's talking about one thing and then Baxter will say something about his apartment and like nobody will think to ask him what it is he's talking about like oh I didn't go home and go to sleep last night and he just kind of wants somebody yeah to like take an interest to say why you know why Mm -hmm. did you bring that up and nobody ever does it's like there are these two conversations (laughs) happening at the same time like the literal interpretation of it and then Baxter making some sort of I actually Sly think it, comments underneath. I actually think there was some point where he like does one of those where he like offers up some topic where it was kind of leading in and the guy goes, hmm, and just like closes the door and walks out of his room. And I was like, <laughs> yep, no one cares about your story. <laughs> That's why it was so sad, too, because there's so many people around, but it's. It's very lonely. Very. The yeah. movies, it's yeah. about loneliness. It was I impressive think. um, thinking back, like how many extras they did have for their office scenes. There was a yeah. lot of people yeah. shoehorned into that building. Right. Into that room. Well, it says at the beginning, there's 35,000 people that work there, I think. Something right. like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have a short clip. Let's listen. A <laughs> home office has 31,259 employees, which go. is more than the entire population of uh, Natchez, Mississippi. I work on the 19th floor. Ordinary Policy Department, Premium Accounting Division, Section W, Desk Number 861. 
My name is C.C. Baxter. C for Calvin, C for Clifford. However, most people call me Bud. I've been with Consolidated for three years and ten months, and my take-home pay is ninety-four seventy a week. Thirty-one thousand five hundred. Sorry. To be exact. Yeah. Yes, you should be embarrassed. That was a really good establishing scene for him, though, just to kind of show he's extremely competent at what he does. He's very competent. Maybe he's... a little bit in his own head. Yeah. Well, I mean, it gives an impression of the building, too. It gives you an idea of what kind of environment he's working in. It's it's very um, efficient, and it's also has a lot of, like, anonymity. Like, it's, right. it's kind of faceless. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just called consolidated, which doesn't really tell you anything. And it has all of these people, and he's at desk, you know, 861. It's It's a number. It's... There's no cubicles. So you imagine like the yeah. biggest room you've ever seen and just a bunch of desks that all look the same with a typewriter on each desk. Yeah. He had Kleenexes that one day. Oh, when he yeah. had the cold. But other than that, it's all just the like desks nothing. look the same. Yeah. And it's... When, when he packs up his desk, when he gets his promotion to move, he just like piles all his things on his little like desk calendar type thing or blotter mat right. and then mm-hmm. just carries it away. It's just like nothing. Yeah. Did anyone else think it was weird that he carried around a thermometer? Yes, yeah. super weird. In, in a little like carrying case too. I'm like, this yeah. is a nice thermometer. I need to know that I'm sick and I need to know now exactly. in case I need to go to the hospital. Yeah, yes. But I don't think it helped him. I mean, he looked at it. It was like, oh, that's really high. Yeah. Now what? <laughs> right. Yeah, he didn't leave. He just rearranged his schedule so he could, right. you know, go home at the end of the day. Yeah, it's And not- then he didn't. Yeah. You didn't go home that the, the no. end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not that you need... So thermometers for me are about... Children trying to prove to their parents that they're sick. Yeah. <laughs> right? I haven't used a thermometer since I moved out of the house. No, because like, you why? just trust yourself yeah. when you feel like, I feel Ill. sick. I feel like I need help. Yeah. Or like, I think I can get over this. I could Whereas, never read those, like the mercury ones. Either. Oh, no. Those t- you those had like, to get them at just the right, right angle. Yeah, and... yeah. Oh, yeah. I still have a couple of those around at work. It's not dangerous with me around at all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it seemed really impersonal. It seemed really kind of faceless. Yeah, I, I, I understood, but it, it seemed a little out of step with what with what you learn about his character, that he was manipulating this or using this to his advantage to get ahead at work. Like, he right. seems ambitious and good at what he does. Like, he seems very interested in insurance and happy happy to be doing the job. Um, maybe a little too happy with his, you know, stalkery traits. But... Um, <laughs> But yeah, he. I, it seemed a little strange to me that he was such a little corporate climber. I was going to say, well, what do you think about this? Because he specifically goes out of his way at the beginning to say, I'm not yes, an ambitious yes. person. But he must be, right? But or, he, or otherwise it doesn't work. Otherwise yeah. it makes no sense. Unless you believe he's or such a pushover that yeah. simply someone else bringing this up and saying you should do this, that he mm-hmm. just agreed to do it. And like doesn't really care about going up in the company, but he does seem to care. Right. That, I thought that was weird too because he in the movie it says I'm not that I'm not that ambitious of a guy, but that's the only thing that he's getting out of this. They're not giving him money, right, or to, to use his apartment. It's just the promise, and it's not even. It's just kind of implicit that oh well maybe I put in a good word with, for you or maybe I say this. Right. It's not like you do this for me and you're definitely going to get this promotion. It's also funny too because I expected the first time I saw this that no they're not going to do anything for him though he's just going to have to sit there forever yeah. but they do they do like yeah. they put in a good word for him and he gets promoted twice in this movie twice very quickly and you but you also I don't feel like I have an idea if he thought that he was helping them like I don't think he had a real moral problem with this no. apartment being used for not affairs really. no I, I, so I, I like the, it could just be like 
doing something nice for these yeah for these right. so there a couple of things one was that first of all no one seems to be concerned that this is abnormal it's like oh of course you have some action on the side like duh it's not a big deal and so he seems completely fine with it as well like oh sure you can use my apartment and so there's a point at which when he first gets called up to sheldrake's office when the four executives he's been helping out you know do put in good word for him so he gets called up to sheldrake's office and sheldrake is like no this is a shady business and i know all about it and it's like this big deal And then Baxter goes on then to kind of give an explanation of how this happened. And if you believe that, if that's true, then it does sound a little bit more like he is being kind of put upon. That the first circumstance was kind of happenstance. It was some weird coincidence thing that came up. And then the word got out and everybody's like, well, now you have to and you have to. And they had no problems blackmailing him. They had no problems being like, well, now you want to continue to work here, right? Yeah. So I think I actually have that first introduction between the two characters as a clip. Tell me, Baxter. Have you seen Music Man? Mm-hmm. Well, not yet. I hear it's one swell show. How would you like to go tonight? Well, you and me? Well, I thought you were taking the branch manager from uh, Kansas City. No, I have other plans. You can have both tickets. Well, that's very kind of you, but I'm not feeling well. I, I've got this cold. I'm going to go right home. Baxter, you're not reading me. I told you I have plans. Uh, so do I. I'm going to take four aspirin. Get into bed, so you might as well give the tickets to somebody else. Look, Baxter, I'm not just giving these tickets. I want to swap them. Swap for what? It also says here that you are alert, astute, and uh, quite imaginative. Oh? I'm not seeing any of those qualities in you right now, Baxter. (laughs) So I think Sheldrake is just being a little bit more careful than the other characters. I think he just Initially. Yes, initially, right. Like, once it's out there, because Baxter's part of the like he's complicit in it too right Mm -hmm. so it's not just one of them going down it's both of them going down yeah so once this initial you know salvo has been made and like okay well now we're in on this together i thought that was an interesting (laughs) scene and just the the comedic effect of baxter not being quite able to figure out what everyone in the audience is like come on (laughs) (laughs) let's drag out this scene just a little bit more to shame you for doing this thing that was really inappropriate right and uh and was like you know this is not something we want to see in our executives or anybody else blah 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 and, and I love Baxter's like, well, it's only four of them, sir. Out of the 31,000, that's pretty good odds. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not all disgusting. <laughs> oh, and yes. Uh, and he uses the phrase percentage wise, yes. right? People continue to use phrases like that for the rest of the movie, like whatever wise. Like, otherwise wise. Otherwise wise. Yeah. or like cookie wise. The cookie wise I really like. So I didn't really catch on the first time where I th- is that like jargon that they're using at the insurance agency where they tend to say like percentage wise or things like that or when he uses it or Sherman McLean uses it it's more mm-hmm. like a joke whereas when they actually use it in the office it's, it's like slang that they're using yeah it. so that's just something I hadn't noticed how many times that comes up probably like 15 or 20 different times that some phrase ends in the word wise but one thing we haven't gotten to is the other main character of the yes. movie Fran Kubelik played by Shirley MacLaine. I really liked her character. They they do a juxtaposition of her relative to the other females that you're seeing that are right. definitely more flighty mm-hmm. and just kind of looking for a good time. Like she's a little bit more serious. She goes out of her way to tell him that he's the only one who takes his hat off in the elevator and she really appreciates that. And you see that she has a flower in her lapel every day and she calls everybody Mr. and Ms. And just she's just, I don't know, has a little bit more depth um, right. than, than the other characters. You also find out that she initially applied there to be 
gosh, I don't know, a secretary or a typist. Uh, typist. Typist. Yeah, yeah. she couldn't spell. Uh, but she couldn't spell. Yeah. Which was she, a pretty good joke. Yeah, I really like that. <laughs> she can type She can type like the wind, but she can't spell. <laughs> which was really cute. But that's what I'm saying. Like, they gave her character depth as opposed to these other women that are definitely right. definitely more shallow. I think we're supposed to think that, but by the same token, we didn't get to know any other female True. characters in the whole movie. The movie definitely didn't pass the Benjil test. The right, Benjil. no, not at all. <laughs> no. I'm like trying she, to think yeah. if there was a time where two women were even speaking to each other. Well, yes, when she talks to the uh, secretary, his name escapes me, who's Sheldrake's secretary. I yes. can't recall her name either. Yeah. But oh, that's, at, the Christ, at the Christmas At the Christmas rave. party, yeah. but yeah. that's exactly what they're talking about. Yes. They're talking about oh, Sheldrake. Right, so right, yeah. There you go. I think that's the only instance. Oh, um, there's, there's a couple uh, times of the, the phone operators. Right. The I telephone think, operators do talk to they're like coming out quickly moving from place to yeah, place yeah it's, right. it's brief it's yeah. brief but i did find it entertaining that you know the the things they were concerned with though were oh who's taking you out and where are you going and with the money he makes i was expecting this and this but all i got was this and this yeah and it was it, it was it was it was depressing i don't yeah. know <laughs> the closest i think we come is when when she was in baxter's apartment later recovering and the doctor's wife comes in and mm-hmm. talks with her oh, but then right. it's still yeah. about it's still about him yeah it's still, it's still about, still about well supposedly baxter right so like you deserve a better man than him so not not even close but he has he has paper towels not cloth napkins yes. you gotta yeah. walk away from this man you gotta get out <laughs> But I think that's all of the characters in this movie, right? So right. there's there's Baxter and there's Kubelik. So then there's the doctor and the doctor's wife. Yes. But other than those four people, they're all horrible. They're yeah. all caricatures, really. Yeah, they really they're are. They're all horny teenagers. <laughs> yeah, they're they're horny teenagers. It's it's just super depressing. Pretty much it. You see his kids for a brief moment. I supposedly, oh, right. supposedly the, they're the not children, tainted yeah. yet. <laughs> I think just to show that yeah, Sheldrake's not going to leave his family. He's. Oh yeah, no. He's he just has, there he and no happy and dealing no with his kids like nothing. His family yeah, whatsoever. Ever happening. Yeah. So I think I do have a scene though, like to go back to uh, Miss Kubelik of them not meeting for the first time because they're already familiar with each other. But it's the first time we see Baxter and Kubelik together in this movie, or any movie, I suppose. <laughs> what did you do to your hair? It was making me nervous, so I chopped it off. Big mistake, huh? No, I sort of like it. <laughs> you got a Lulu. Huh? Yeah, better not get too close. And I never catch colds. Really? I was reading some figures from the Sickness and Actually Claims Division. Do you know that the average New Yorker between the ages of 20 and 50 has two and a half colds a year? Huh. Now that makes me feel just terrible. Why? Well, to make the figures come out even, if I have no colds a year, some poor slob must have five colds a year. Yeah, it's me. Should have stayed in bed this morning. You should have stayed in bed last night. <laughs> so, yeah, that's just one of those comments I was talking about earlier where he... Uh, <laughs> A subtle aside to talk about like how he wishes he could go into his apartment and nobody, she doesn't quite pick up on it. But how could she? Exactly. But that scene just shows the rapport that they have. I mean, you're supposed to root for them immediately from there on, right? Like, oh, they're able to have a conversation with each other and be witty. So therefore, they're supposed to be together. I love that she said she cut her hair because it was making her nervous. (laughs) (laughs) I googled um, how much money Shirley MacLaine made for this movie because I was just curious if it was at all close to what Jack Lemmon made. And I couldn't find it. But the first thing that came up was an article about um, Shirley MacLaine's sexcapades. She calls him that. <laughs> and she says she never slept, slept with Jack Lemmon because he was too nice. <laughs> <laughs> I would believe that. Yeah, I, I would hope Jack Lemmon's a really a good fun guy. fact. I like that. <laughs> Charlie, that's another segment we should include in the show. Which of the actors slept together? Yeah. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> um, I have an aside that I'd like to bring up. Sure. Which is okay. So Jack Lemmon's supposedly the hero, and I know we we even said like air quotes <laughs> here, but um, supposedly the hero, and you know they show the rapport, they show that that they that he clearly really likes her. And one of the ways he tries to underscore that, so the, the clip you played earlier, he gets these Music Man tickets from, from Sheldrake. So he, he's offering these tickets to her, saying, hey, we should go. And in a way, he's trying to tell her that he likes her. She said, oh, no, something about having to go home. He's like, oh, yeah, where you live with your, your mother and your sister and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, why do you know where I live? He's like, oh, I know all kinds of things about you. And he goes on to list all of these things, her height, her weight, her social security number, like <laughs> right. some really creep test, like medical history things. Oh, I looked up your file at the insurance company for blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this is supposed to be endearing? Yeah. No, I, she, I agree. It was supposed to be charming. It, it wasn't, was supposed it wasn't to be, charming. And she, she found quest- it charming. Yeah, she questioned him initially, but not in a way that suggested that she was totally creeped out. She was like, oh, how do you know that? Right. Yeah. Not like, oh, how do you know that yeah exactly. exactly like she was smiling through the whole thing totally fine yeah. with it and, and then like, the explanation is like oh i just took an interest in you and looked up all your critical information just yeah. so that i could talk with you it's right like, oh great Super <laughs> what a nice creep-tastic. guy <laughs> where now you like try to talk about someone when you meet them as if you haven't like seen their linkedin profile or something all these things that are public yes. that we want to be public but you act like you don't look at them no he just threw it all out there and it was fine it kind of blew me away <laughs> I was like that's that's really because then, then even after that I think is when she agreed to meet about the music band. yes yeah it, yes. Is. it wasn't it before was, yep. yeah she was she was talking about not going and then was like oh well okay. you've won me over yeah. I guess right <laughs> maybe I can cut my affair short tonight well and she <laughs> and ends up standing yeah yeah exactly she ends up standing him up because she goes to this Chinese restaurant to meet Sheldrake, which is something that I wanted to talk about. It's totally frivolous <laughs> detail. But did it look like she was having a snow cone? Yes, it was There's supposed a to be a daiquiri. daiquiri. Oh, wow, okay. Yes. She orders it specifically. She, yeah, she orders the daiquiri. <laughs> well, and I like I like the details. Like, first of all, it's a Chinese restaurant, so you have this idea that it's like they picked it because it's not a place like kind of seedy. Friends like, of theirs yeah, would go, right. so they're not yeah. going to run into people. And the when they sit down, whoever takes her drink order knows her. Yes. And it's right. like, oh, good to see you again. Like, this is like... Because that's the, their affair that's, place. That's their affair place. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And uh, and we find out later from his secretary, it's his affair place for all of his ladies. Right. You know, like, have a consistent place to bring your women on the side. Yeah. They <laughs> really like that. not put in too much effort. Exactly. <laughs> Don't get creative. Keep it simple. Another place that he doesn't put in effort is with gifts. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. The gifts. I was, I was so... Yeah. Oh, there's so many things. Uh, he gives her a hundred dollar bill, not even an envelope. Yeah, just, <laughs> just, just like out buy, of the wall. Buy yourself something nice, yeah. sweetheart. Right. Like there was just there was no wink. Like right. you know, just yeah. that. But that at least that's the that's the thing that sends her over the edge, right? That's yeah. the thing I that makes her yeah. really want to commit suicide well, or so at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else, yeah. right? But we also learned at the beginning that his rent he lives blocks from Central Park, and his rent is eighty five dollars a month. So that was a lot of money. Oh, absolutely. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah. that's no, a I'll month's a rent. Lot of money. That's a yeah. good point. No, it was it was like getting, you know, it was like getting a thousand dollars. I don't know. If, well, in New York now would be like getting yeah. like three grand. Right. But yeah. um, but yeah, and, and and going back to that Chinese restaurant, when you first see them together and clearly you're getting some backstory that they did see each other and he broke it off. But she has a monologue that I really, I don't know, it caught my attention that was just 
it was kind of a state of the system, I guess, at that time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We're looking at all of these women that are seeing various men or, or, you know, sleeping around with these married men or doing these different things. And, like, what's your goal? What's your end game here? What's the reality of it? And she has this little monologue. And it's it's accurate and poignant and very depressing. But uh, I think well said. I think I have some of that. I might not have the whole thing. For a while there, you try kidding yourself that you're going with an unmarried man. Then one day he keeps looking at his watch and asks you if there's any lipstick showing, then rushes out to catch the 714 to White Plains. So you fix yourself a cup of instant coffee and you sit there by yourself and you think. And it all begins to look so ugly. How do you think I felt riding home on the 714 train? I, I caught... I caught that gap in the clip between her talking and him because this look on his face was very specific it was a i didn't expect her to say this i have to think of something to say and it was kind of like a surprised face and then right back to the straight face after that where he figures out what he what he's gonna say so he's a he's a class this act, is not his guy. first time no it's this not, is not his that. first rodeo it only took him a couple seconds to figure out how to spin that back in yeah. his favor. Well, and it's interesting because I, I like that it is revealed to the audience in increments the same way it's being revealed to her in increments. He has the conversation with Baxter when he first brings him up there and he talks about how this is not good and we don't want this kind of thing in the company. And then says, oh, but I'd kind of like to be in on it. But he doesn't say it directly. You know, he does a little kind of song and dance. Then you see him with her and he's like, no, no, no. Like, this means a lot to me. I met with my you know, lawyer. I'm going to get out of mm-hmm. this. I'm going to do this for you. And so then by the time you get to the Christmas party where she has the conversation with his secretary, who's now tipsy, it's a revelation for the audience as well as, you know, that he's so well versed right, right. In, in this process. So we knew he was a jerk, but we didn't know he was that. This big yes, of a jerk. Like exactly. The douche. Ever. <laughs> or, yeah, that he felt. The of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That he felt absolutely no feelings. I don't think, because I don't think yeah. he felt any no. feelings no. for her Nothing. at all. Nope. Yeah. Um, Super depressing. Probably a psychopath. <laughs> 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 what did you tell me yesterday? Oh, that he's worse than Bane. He's worse than Bane. <laughs> this is the worst, the worst movie villain since Bane. <laughs> well, and that's like because he was just so manipulative and oh my just gosh, like yes. um, just gaslighting up a storm. Oh, when she was crying at Baxter's apartment, and he was acting like he was being put out by this yes you're usually so fun why are you doing this to me you don't act this way i wrote that down you Um, were you were always such fun to be with right so it makes her think oh part of the reason that he likes me is because i'm cool like so i got i got to try to act cool here i could i could see why she was in such a low point after that conversation well and i i liked they they really do try to underscore i i don't identify with this feeling but they have her state multiple times that she kind of feels stuck Mm-hmm. Like she realizes that this is bad for her. She realizes that he's never going to leave his wife and that she's trapped because she loves him. And so while I don't identify with it, it kind of at least explains why she's still involved. Yeah. I was trying to think of a movie where someone got out of an affair without the help of like another romantic relationship. Mm. And I couldn't oh. think of one. Mm. It seems like everybody's able to break off their affairs because they find somebody else. Right. Yeah. Not because they're like... This is wrong. It's time. I should do better. It's time. <laughs> yeah. No, this is something has to happen. Yeah. Something has to intervene. But I, I thought I thought his secretary kind of explaining that, saying, "Hey, you know, I 
I was his flavor of the month four years ago. And before me, there was this person. And after me, mm-hmm. there was this person and this person. And right before you, there was this person. And Shirley MacLaine's character, she has such a good job of, you know, holding it together. Yeah. Kind of saying, you know, this is big party there's a lot of people around and i was very impressed um by both her character and um, baxter's character throughout as things got really up to the point where everything was going to be known like everything was going to be revealed you know the doctor comes over and or her brother-in-law comes over to like beat him up or whatever and everybody keeps the secret it is it is a club everybody is like you know what we're in on this and you don't give it up right and i don't know what incentive Baxter had for not telling the doctor the truth. Mm -hmm. It might be a time period thing where it might have been so shameful for people to know that that was a situation for her. I at least think that Baxter thought he was protecting her. Okay. I got the impression it was just a boys club code. Uh, I mean, I guess so. Like you just don't rat out. You just don't rat out the boys. But he eventually, I mean, something happens so to him that he eventually stands up yeah. to him. Right. There's a lot he of does. that. Like for the whole time. Yeah. But Until he does never he rat him up. out, though. Yeah. He never rats him out. He just quits. But he doesn't, he never discloses anything that went on with any of those guys with anybody else. Because even in the very beginning, when you see him with the doctor or the doctor's wife, and the doctor's like, you know, at the rate you're going, blah, 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 or we keep hearing these things through the walls, he's just like, oh, yeah, I had some people over. And yeah. just kind of again and again. Well, some of it, too, could be that he'd be kicked out of his apartment. True. That's right? true. If anyone oh, yeah. found that's that fair. out. That's fair. But I, th- I think it's this weird thing with Baxter where there's three different reasons that he's lying. And one of it is the boys club thing. That's definitely there. Like, that mm-hmm. doesn't go away until the very end of the movie. Yeah. But I also think that he's trying to protect her and her reputation. But then, you know, the more obvious thing where it's like, well, he's if anyone finds out about this, he's screwed and he's kicked out of his apartment yeah. and he loses his job. So... Any else disturbed that he never changes his bedding? Because I was. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's part of the deal. I was like, ew. Rule number 13 about the apartment is you change the sheets when you're done. (laughs) I think a lot happens on the couch, though. Because they found that they found like hair hair clips and other things in the couch. So. Where he sits and eats his dinner by right. himself at the yeah, end actually, of the I day. I actually did like that in terms of the whole um, is he put upon kind of thing because of the whole at the beginning, clearly how much he caters to these men of having, oh, what, oh you, yeah. what happened to the little cheese crackers you used to yeah. have and the various alcohols and, and snacks that he would have. But then when he himself came home, he had a sad little frozen TV dinner and right. a Coke. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't having any alcohol. He wasn't even drinking out like the nice glassware. To this point, he's only been eating frozen food or whatever he yes. can get his hands on. But later, when she's in the apartment, mm-hmm. he decides to go out, get food, actually make something. And he says that he's a good cook. I mean, for as much as that you can mm-hmm. believe him. I guess I would believe him in that regard. So I don't know. He used he a tennis racket for that. a strainer. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Most cooks might actually. But he doesn't have the space. He doesn't have the real estate. <laughs> sure. So sure put thing. a strainer anywhere. Sure it takes thing. up a lot of room. Um, yeah. And I also just side note, and this is so unimportant, but I did find him using. So at the end, when he's packing and he's putting the, the tennis racket slash strainer away and there's a noodle in it. And it's still soft. It's like a week and a half later. I thought he was going to eat it. And he like coils it around his finger. And I'm like, that no, is this magic spaghetti? What is this? (laughs) I saw that too. And I just made up the story in my head. Well, he probably just made spaghetti again. (laughs) (laughs) I I like your faith, Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) So Shirley MacLaine takes sleeping pills, falls asleep, and is presumably going to die until Baxter goes next door to his doctor neighbor and gets him to come over and uh, 
intervene. So the doctor was another interesting character. Yeah, I liked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked him too. And I looked it up and he actually got a best supporting actor nomination for this. He didn't huh. win. Like none of the actors, they all got nominated. So Shirley MacLaine got nominated. Jack Lemmon got nominated. And this other guy got nominated too. So I guess people were really into this movie. It would, yeah. Yeah. did really well that year. I mean, it might have been more honest than other films at the time too. I don't I know. I think so. Maybe just saying, hey, this is something that's that happens. I yeah. think there was a lot of... Like in post-war America, there was a lot of like, oh, the men stay in the city during Mm -hmm. the summer and the wives of the families go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Like the seven-year itch was about that. Yes. Like, and so, but it was, I did think that Shirley MacLaine had as much of a role as Jack Lemmon. Yes. I think she, her performance was, I mean, I love Jack Lemmon, but her performance was, it was the highlight of the movie. Yes. I would say some of the monologues she got. Yeah. 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 They were beautiful. Some of the ways she phrased things and, and the reality of her experience like what this felt like for her and what this meant for her life, I think were, were really well done. Yeah, that's something I wanted to talk about too. So there's a lot of overt sexist themes everywhere in the movie, right? But do you think that that's deliberate? Do you think it's like, well, this is the attitude and this shouldn't be the attitude? Or do you think that some of it's just baked in there because of the time when it was when it was written? I that's because she gets the best role. I mean, by far, Mm -hmm. I think out of anybody in the movie. Yeah. And we feel that almost I mean, she's certainly justified and as depressed as she is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A normal human being when put under the situation or a nice person. Yeah. You know, it's going to be driven to that extreme. So how much of it is deliberately putting her in the situation and seeing how she reacts as opposed to, well, it's a boys club. And I think this is how she reacts. I think it is a little intentional and the only reason i say that is because just thinking about it so when she finds out at the christmas party it's also the same time that baxter the jack lemons character finds out that she's been she's been the one that's in the relationship with sheldrake and he finds out because she opens up her compact and hands it to him and it's one that he found in his couch and gave back to sheldrake you know for his girl and it's cracked and it's obvious and uh even even in that just the little kind of throwaway lines that they give her when he hands he said it's 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 broken and she said yeah it looks the way i feel (laughs) um when he hands it back to her but um so that's that's when he finds out. And so when when earlier when he had given it back to Sheldrake, Sheldrake he like muses about it. He's like, oh, here I, I, you know, I found this in my couch. The the mirror's broken. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's when she threw it at me. Like, it's adorable. Like, oh, isn't it cute that she <laughs> threw it at me? That's when she threw it at me. You know how these things go. Yeah. Boy, I really got to her. <laughs> yeah. And it, it it's like that alone. That I feel like to me, that was the first revelation of what uh, jerk this this particular guy was. And then you find out at the Christmas party how often he does this, that mm-hmm. he clearly has no intention of leaving his wife, that he's used this line with many women. So you go from that to her seeing him that night at Baxter's apartment mm-hmm. on Chris, you know, after the Christmas party, which I couldn't believe she even agreed to see him after that, but she did. And that's that what I was saying, like, maybe she feels like trapped, like she can't, mm-hmm. like she has no choice or something. But then how he treats her after that. And that to me, I felt like was the intentional part, kind of what you were saying is whether that's intentional, because it's not just, oh, I'm being casual about it anymore. It's so heavy handed that it culminates in him just saying, oh, I was going to get you something nice. But Ugh. I don't know if he says he runs out of time or he wasn't exactly sure what she'd want. And then just hands her a hundred dollar bill and she just looks at it and you're like, Wow. And she was crying before this. Like, it's like, oh, I'm ignoring the fact that, you know, how come you're how come you're not as fun as you used to be? Blah, blah, blah. And then, oh, here's a hundred bucks. So you feel as cheap as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he leaves the apartment. He leaves her there and says, lock up yourself. Mm-hmm. She goes into the bathroom 
was it? I think she thinks about taking the sleeping pills mm-hmm. and then decides against it, mm-hmm. and then looks in her purse for I think a hanky or a hanky something. or something like that, and then sees the hundred dollar bill again, and then decides to go through with it. So it's yeah. she's like right on the edge of whether she's going to. I also want to point out that, that the Christmas gift that was actually thoughtful that she got him. Well, racist. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Was at least thoughtful that he's like, well, I can't take this with me, so I'll just leave this here. So, like, she did something nice for him. It's actually wrapped. It's actually thoughtful. He leaves it behind, and he gives her something completely meaningless to (laughs) Mm -hmm. him. Can we talk about rickshaw boy? Yes. (laughs) I think think we have to. So, uh, this might be a good uh, segment for us. It's movies within movies. I feel like that piano player has a whole movie behind this story, right? Because the uh, is he called Rickshaw Boy or is that the name of the album? Oh, I thought that was his, his name. As it a performer. might be his name. So this piano player plays in the Chinese restaurant, and he on the piano plays the main theme for the movie, which mm-hmm. is a, a wonderful like sort of sweeping theme it with is, orchestral yeah. music behind it. And when they put on the record, that's what's on it. But this guy's called Rickshaw Boy. <laughs> You get the impression he's a great musician and he's stuck playing in a Chinese restaurant yeah. and having like a racist album cover. Yeah. Like this is the best that he's able to do. I, mean, I love that it's not even Rickshaw Man. I mean, no. it's, it's Rickshaw Boy. You know your yeah. place. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. <laughs> then after, after taking these sleeping pills, you know, where she found out Sheldrake's past at the Christmas party. Baxter finds out that Sheldrake's with her at the Christmas party and is just really, really heartbroken about it. And so he goes out and finds some miscellaneous girl who I really liked her. If you're talking about a movie within a movie, I feel uh, like yeah. she needs her own movie as well. Right, let's let's, her let's voice play that. I, I do have to say that was actually one time I did laugh out loud when they were dancing yes. at the bar. Oh, and yeah. They, did, they had both their right arms down. Just they like, are propping each other up. Yes. Like if either of them weren't there, they'd both be on the floor. Yes. Just right? calls to mind the Forrest Gump. I'll I'll lean up against you and lean, lean yeah, up against yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd actually laughed out loud at that. So here's a clip. You like Castro. I mean, how do you feel about Castro? What is Castro? You know, that big shot down in Cuba with the crazy beard. What about him? Because as far as I'm concerned, he's a no good think. Two weeks ago, I wrote him a letter. Never even answered me. That's so. All I wanted him to do was let Mickey out for Christmas. Who's Mickey? My husband. He's in Havana, in jail. You're mixed up in that revolution. Mickey would do nothing like that. He's a jockey. They caught him doping a horse. Well, can't win them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just... I just love that she wrote Castro a letter like like Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that would be a good movie within a movie because it's, I wonder if they're in an open relationship, her and her husband, because she comes back to the apartment and that's when he finds Fran there. And so she, he, Baxter kicks this other woman out. And then she says something like, wait till I tell my husband about you. How are you going to explain this? She's like, Like, he's going to be so mad at the way you treated me. Right. He's going to come and like beat you up, this 99 pound guy. And it's like, oh, I want to know more about (laughs) (laughs) About her and her jockey husband. Yeah. Yeah. In Havana. So the whole movie takes place over the course of, well, probably a few weeks, really. But most of it takes place between Christmas Christmas Eve and New Year's Day. So. Which contributes to the loneliness significantly. I suppose so. So he finds her on Christmas Day, right? 
in his apartment, probably in the morning. It's in the like morning, yeah, in the morning. yeah, Christmas day, yeah, yeah. So this is how they spend the next two days together: is her basically being hungover and despondent, and him trying his best to cheer her up. Yeah, which I thought it was. I still think the gin rummy stuff was pretty cute. Oh, it was adorable. <laughs> yeah. I totally loved that. Basically, to keep her mind off of things, she keeps trying to open up to him and he's like no just play gin rummy right now i'm beating the crap out of you you need to do better exactly <laughs> yeah you know so the, you, you see in the beginning that you know he's clearly supposed to be our hero because they have a good the good rapport and then he's clearly supposed to be our hero because he's cute that he stalks her or whatever right. i don't know and then beyond that when the doctor does come over to revive her it's pr- it's reasonably violent I mean, they mm-hmm. keep it light yeah. because it's still supposed to be somewhat of a comedy, so they don't show a lot of it. But you hear um, a lot of things, the doctor bringing her in and pumping her stomach and then um, slapping her oh, yeah. quite a right. bit yeah. and pretty hard. Yeah, they, they show a little bit of it. So as an audience, you know kind of what's happening. But then they mostly spend the time looking at him and looking at him flinch every time the doctor right. hits her. So he clearly cares about her and doesn't want this for her. Right. And so I thought that was sweet. I actually really liked that scene. Everything from when he brings the random woman from the bar home up until when he puts her in bed for her to recover. Yeah. It's just a that scene changes so quickly from like, oh, well, we're here, we're going to have fun or whatever. He doesn't seem to mind having a fling with this woman to like him finding her, trying to rush the woman out. There's still some comedic stuff in there too, surprisingly, but then getting the doctor to come over and help her. I got to the end of that scene and looked back and was like, wow, you know, three or four minutes ago, this was a completely different different feel to the movie. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that he did initially go to the phone, like he was going to call 911. And oh, then right. stops right. and then goes and gets the doctor. I think it was that part of that keeping the secret mm-hmm. for her right. sake as well yeah. as as well as Sheldrake's, but just saying, you know, I'm going to instead, hey, I have this this neighbor. So here's a question. What do you think about Baxter as a character? He's supposed to be a nice guy, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of the stuff he does up until the very end is kind of just a Ghost jerk with a nice guy veneer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. he's very charming. He's easy to talk to, but the way he tries to protect the men in this company for the entire time. Mm-hmm. So towards the end of the movie, he's going to go talk to Mr. Sheldrake and say, well, you don't have to worry about Fran anymore, right? I'm going to mm-hmm. take her off your hands. Right. Like mm-hmm. she's, we're like going to get problem. married, right. even though they don't really know each other right. all that well. Like it's not up to Fran. It's up to Sheldrake and Baxter to exactly. sort out Fran. Exactly. Right. Like did yeah. anyone ask Fran? And that's not really. <laughs> what, what's what, Fran what, what does she want? <laughs> so we get the change in his character, the, that, He's not going to protect all these other people anymore. He's going to do what's best for her. But we never get any sort of flip about maybe some of this is up to her. Maybe she doesn't like me. Right. Do we even know that she really likes him? No. Like that? No. I mean, I think I mean, she was still hopelessly in love with children. <laughs> yeah. Well, and she time. has she has like, you know, one of the, 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 the worst slash greatest lines in all cheesy romantic films where there's, you know, either a geek or like the guy that, you know, whatever. And somebody says, why can't I ever love a nice guy like you? Right. Which I think is like the meanest thing you could say to somebody. Yeah. Like you might think it or you might feel it or you might say it to your friend. But saying it to the person, I just feel like it's really particularly awful. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's in a lot of those kinds of films. Yeah. You know, like, whatever. Why can't I ever just love a nice guy like you? Yeah, I wonder if that would really f- fly now. That whole thing where, like, oh, she suddenly realizes that she loves him. But, like, they don't they don't really know each other. I mean. Yeah, but I think that was a common theme of older that's movies very common, in general. Yeah. 
Like the the arc from meeting each other right. to falling in love to hey let's get married is usually really short. Yeah, that's true. Those, it's not atypical in that in that time period. <laughs> um, oh, one other note that I thought was interesting too, and again keeping with the everybody keeping secrets, the the kind of a ag- common agreement amongst all the characters, not just the men but females too, about keeping the secret is that when she's in bed and they're playing gin rummy, she takes his notepad and she's going to write Mrs. Sheldrake a letter. And she says, I think I'm going to write her a letter. I think she'd understand or being in my position or whatever. I think she'd appreciate it or something like that. And he says, no, no, no. You'll hate yourself for it and pulls it away. Like, that's clearly the wrong move. Like, everybody being open and honest about this is clearly a mistake. Like, you'll hate yourself for it. The secretary ends up doing that. Yes. Just that. Right. And I'm pretty sure she did not hate herself for it. No. <laughs> I, I was, it was funny because I was so frustrated at this point. In watching this movie, it's just getting worse and worse and worse, digging itself this hole. And I'm getting very irritated. I'm like, why is nobody talking about this? Like, no one is saying, like, this is bad. Like, somebody do something. So when he dismisses his secretary, and I really liked her her line that she says to him, um, I can't believe you made me sit here, sit outside your office and watch the parade of, you know, women mm-hmm. come through, like that that was worse than letting her go. Like she picks up the phone and I'm like, be calling his wife. Please be calling his wife. Like I'm rooting for it. Yeah. So when she does, I seriously like in my parent, I'm like, yes, like somebody's <laughs> finally calling this woman. Yeah. I was so annoyed. Like he needs to get his. But do you think, I think he'll just kind of be right back at it. Oh, totally. After that. I don't well, think. Even even with with Baxter, when he offers him like the Uber promotion, like the separate little side office right. off of his office, he says, um, oh, it's going to take some time. We have to follow the paperwork and I have to move out and blah, blah, blah. And I want to enjoy being a bachelor for a while. Right. Yes. Like you haven't been doing that the exactly. whole time yeah. you've been married. What have yeah. you been doing up till yeah. now? Has this been <laughs> holding back? <laughs> <laughs> Because if so, you might have a sex addiction. <laughs> but, but then even when, when the secretary blows this all up and his, and his wife kicks him out, mm-hmm. he acts like it he did idea. it himself. Yes. So because he thinks that's how he's going to get Fran then to just go along with it. Oh, I finally did it. <laughs> Didn't do it. Didn't you did do nothing. It. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, there was also the briefly addressed was that Baxter had tried to commit suicide himself. Yeah. Super just casual. Thrown in there. Yeah. No big deal. Right. Everybody yeah. does it <laughs> over over like lost love. Yes, it's like it's like said. Oh, that's that's a reasonable reaction to having your heart broken. I mean, we see the rapport and they're fun, they're witty, they're like this mm-hmm. old Hollywood style couple almost, right? But that's one of the only times I feel like there might have been a real connection that could have done something to improve their relationship. It's like, oh, you've been through this too, right? So it was almost weird to have it be almost a throwaway. Yeah, thing. Oh, I mean, he it comes still up has later. the gun. He I still know, has a gun at the end. And he just puts it in a box. So much for these pecky folks. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just like, like, oh, oh, hello, old friend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, yeah, so there was a couple of things. I thought it was interesting that he just brings it up casually. Like, I had my heart broken once and I mm-hmm. consider this. And so I took a gun and went down to, I don't know, like the river or something to like do this. But I just couldn't quite decide how, where to do it. And I'm like, like, it's just everybody does this. Right. And I did think it was interesting. They did have the juxtaposition of a woman doing pills and a man, yeah. man doing a gun but he's just so cheery when he talks about yeah, it. He was. Yeah. is that him just denying that it was a traumatic experience for him or is it just this is how men are deal with this differently i just thought it was really yeah he accidentally then shoots himself in the knee and he says it takes <laughs> him a year to like walk normally or something like that but it only took him three weeks to get over the love and i'm like oh my gosh it was so <laughs> dire that you had to commit consider committing suicide but it was i don't wow 
don't know. There's definitely a lot of men taking care of her whether or not she wants it from start to finish. So you have Sheldrake, you know, with her having interest in her saying, no, 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 you need to be in this relationship with me. Baxter Mm -hmm. saying, no, 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 you need to be in this relationship with me. Mm -hmm. The doctor telling her and the doctor's wife telling her what she should and what she should be looking for. And then her brother-in-law showing up and, you know, and Mm -hmm. then stepping in and taking care of her. But yeah, it's just a series series of men telling her what she should or shouldn't be doing. Do you think that the ending of the movie upends that at all because so she does make the decision to go back to him but that was one of the choices that she had been presented with by baxter before right yeah but at least when they're playing gin rummy the role somewhat reversed well and it's her idea she says hey it's her idea to play and when he says that he loves her Mm -hmm. she says no let's just play gin rummy yeah right yeah. Or she's not and gonna respond to it yeah she doesn't <laughs> yeah. she doesn't say it back and i also yeah. really so, like that he's like do you hear me yeah. ms kublik i love you and i'm like if you're saying i love you i'm pretty sure you can use your for her first name yeah right <laughs> that was actually that was a huge part of this movie very deliberate where at the office building everyone had their first two initials yes. and their yeah. last name and they always constantly referred to everybody that way and it's brought up later with the doctor it was like why are you referring to your you know, mistress mm-hmm. here as, uh, you know, Ms. Kubelik, right? Mm-hmm. But in the scenes where you actually have people talking to each other with their first names, it's usually a little bit more intimate. Yeah. yeah. So when that does come up later, she eventually, he eventually starts calling her Fran, I think, and he mm-hmm. she calls him Bud. And then there are some scenes still with uh, Sheldrake where I think his first name's Jeff. Jeff, yeah. Right, where they'll use that. But those are the only scenes where there's really like interaction between the characters. Otherwise, there's, that last name is kind of used to distance everyone from each other. Yeah. This is a sort of impersonal affairs and relationships. Yeah. I, I felt like it gave her, she she definitely was making her own decision, I think, at the end, mm-hmm. uh, figuring it out. And I really, really loved if She makes some comment uh, when, when it's like midnight, you know, she's sitting with Sheldrake in the Chinese restaurant. It's crazy, you know, with all the streamers and loud people. And she has the realization that she you know, kind of wants to get out of there. And he said, I don't understand what's going on here. She said, I'd spell it out for you, but I can't spell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that, yeah, that's that's the way it crumbles, cookie-wise. Yeah. <laughs> so, Megan, mm-hmm. what did you think at the end of this movie? Like, what's your overall impression of it? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Would you recommend it to anybody? Oh, I'm glad I watched it. Um, it, was, it was a little depressing. I thought, <laughs> well, especially when you think you're going to be watching a comedy. I don't think it was. Oh, right. So maybe comedy. you should. Yeah, if, I, if my expectations yeah. were different, I'd probably, yeah. I'd probably recommend it. And it was fun to see Shirley MacLaine. Oh yeah, dude. And, mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, she do what she, does. she still looks great. She looks great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like eighty four or something yeah. now. Yeah, no, she's amazing. Um, and you could tell she is who she is. You know, she still looks like the yeah. same person. Right. Her eyes are so, very, very distinctive. Yes. When I picture Jack Lemmon, I picture like a seventy five year old man. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was fun to see yeah. Jack Lemmon earlier in his career too. Um, and the guy from Flubber <laughs> being terrible. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> which Sheldrake, one was that? Sheldrake is from Fred. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. And from Shaggy Dog, My Three Sons, yep. where yeah. he plays the one thing that was funny is, well, that was one of his roles, right? For My Three Sons. And he's like this wholesome father figure. But after this movie, apparently women would stop him in the street and tell him what an awful person he was. <laughs> A woman actually took her handbag and hit him one time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I'm, I'm glad about that, because at least women in 1958 didn't think that men were entitled to act that way. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's good. 
Yeah. But for somebody <laughs> whose career at that point had been almost defined as being a super wholesome person. Yeah, to have oh, it for yeah. sure. Switch over that much. I think he actually did a, oh, we don't like the character, evil. but he did a great I mean, job. I mean, I completely agree. Like it was kind of how I felt about J.K. Simmons after Whiplash. Oh, <laughs> like if he'd come on anything, I'd be like, oh, my God, look away. Exactly. It's terrible. Which, you know, J.K. Simmons is just like very lovable and adorable yeah, and, and like all these like, other things. But right. Yeah. <laughs> Farmers insurance commercial. Turn the TV off. <laughs> Can't watch it. Yeah. He, I mean, he was really bad. It was so real, too. So I think everybody has been treated or knows of someone who's been treated and said, like, manipulated someone in the way that he talked to her. So it was just brutal. Yeah. It, it was, was yeah. pretty tough. Especially the scenes that's like, when she's just really hurt and trying to tell him how hurt she is. And, she, and he's like, I should be really mad at you for doing this to me. I should be really mad that you're making me feel bad. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that, I'm like, that oh, was... that'd be terrible for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I feel so sorry for you. Yeah. I really, really liked her line. She starts off, what was I thinking? And you're thinking she's going to say, what was I thinking? Dating a married man. Yeah. And she says, what was I thinking? You never should wear mascara when you're dating a married man. Yeah. <laughs> like, blotting her eyes. And that's what I meant. I felt like she had some of the most comedic lines that in the context were sad, but mm-hmm. they were pretty, mm-hmm. pretty funny. Uh, I have one more clip that I'd like to play, and I think you'll know why I play it after I play it. You listen to me. You find yourself a nice, substantial man, a widower maybe, and settle down instead of gnashing all those sleeping pills. For what? For whom? For some good time, Charlie? <laughs> oh. Sorry. That's just oh, another instance of the name Charlie being used. Yes. I know a it was not a character. Charlie. You know who her voice sounds like? You'll know who this is. I, when I first heard her voice, I was like, is that? Her voice sounds exactly like Miss Celine from Gilmore Girls. Oh, my gosh. She does. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yes. I thought, I thought it was. I was going to look that up to see if it was her. But then they showed her again, and it yeah. clearly didn't look like her, but her voice sounds exactly the yeah. same. Yeah. Her voice is pretty good. <laughs> So, Charlie, I have a very deep, important question for you. Okay, let me... Are you yourself a good time, Charlie? (sighs) I I would have called myself that, except now, in that context, I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah. You don't want to be that guy? No, I don't want to be that kind of good time, Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jessica, what did you think? Um, I agree with Megan. This was also, you know, my first time seeing the film, and I was also expecting it to be a lot lighter. Again, I'm glad I saw it. I think that it was probably a little bit more truthful or honest of of the time period. It was rather depressing. It made me very happy not to be living in that era as a Mm -hmm. woman and and to be able to not just have the opportunity to be expected to make my own decisions. So that that definitely... um, rang true for me but no i'm glad i'm glad i saw it so for me this is probably my fifth sixth viewing of it or something but i think it's the first time maybe the last 10 years that i've watched it and i was curious a little bit more this time about the characters and their motivations and like whether they were good people or not because Mm -hmm. i already knew all of the plot points behind it so like is baxter a good person or miss kubelik yeah what's her agency in this like was she able to make like when does she get to make her own decision does she at all like is this movie sexist is this movie not sexist like it's got all that stuff in there but is that meant to criticize it or to say that these are the characters dealing with with it for the sake of a romantic Mm -hmm. comedy so i would still recommend it to other people but i can see how it could be infuriating to watch at certain points yes (laughs) so thank you very much megan for coming on the show Uh now because you've done this you've gained our respect which means that you get the opportunity to recommend to the world what they should be 
they they should be watching watching. or what they should be doing. So I want to put a plug in for a series that I think is somewhat related to this movie because I was thinking about things that I could recommend. And I was thinking about movies that involved affairs. And I was thinking about When Harry Met Sally, how Carrie Fisher's character Mm -hmm. says, oh, he's going to leave his wife, he's going to leave his wife. And Meg Ryan's character says, no, he's not, no, he's not, no, he's not. And it reminded me of... A show that's third season is premiering April 28th. It's called Catastrophe on Amazon Prime. So and good. it's oh, wonderful. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> so it's like, it's very raunchy, but it has more heart than, than you, than you think. It's, it. it's so good. I found that one by going on Metacritic, I think, and finding one of the highest, ra- like the highest rated yeah. show I hadn't seen. And that was it. I was like, I've never heard of this. And then Car and I watched it and we're just on the floor the whole time. It was, it was so, hilarious. there's so many good lines. It's, it's so, so good. Funny. It, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. So I there's, really like there's a show. it's a about a relationship between a man and a woman who really love each other but are like really mean to each other too like say <laughs> really mean things and I was like oh I wonder if I could tease in my relationship that way and I'd pr- probably try it for like 15 seconds but like, my feelings are really hurt <laughs> <laughs> but they but they but they master it well so yes, it's very great. good and Carrie Fisher apparently appears in the third season so yes. that was the last right, time oh, right, yeah. before, right yep. before she yep. passes away yep. yeah shout out for Carrie Fisher yeah yeah. <laughs> Uh, I would like to recommend a television show. I've been meaning to get this one out for a while, but I think Adam Gobeski stole it <gasps> from me in the last episode. Uh, television show Rectify. I love it. It's was on its fourth season, but now it's done. It's a show about a guy who was on death row for between his teenage years and like his uh, like mid thirties, okay. I think. So most of his life he spent behind bars and just him getting out because of new DNA evidence and him dealing with his family and his family dealing with him and dealing with the town that he lives in. It's a very well acted drama. But this movie reminded me of it in the middle because of the hundred dollar bill scene. Maybe this film is the first time that that happened. The sort of like incidental oh i'll just give you this money. Well, I didn't know we were doing TV series. I'm not really quick for a TV series. No, no, no. We can do whatever you want. It can be a song. Well, I guess I was just uh, the different take of this, of, of seeing a, an older film, seeing a black and white film, seeing a, a film where you know that women in general are expected to be uh, either un- underrepresented or or their voices or opinions aren't really of interest. And so to contrast that, I was going to recommend His Girl Friday, which is one of my favorite oh, kind of yes. older black and white films where um, I feel like the, the female character, and I, I apologize, I cannot remember the actress's name at the moment but is opposite Cary Grant, and she is just as much of a presence, just as much of a, a lead character um, in that film, and is, is great. It's just, it's it, the jokes come so fast that you honestly have to watch it a couple of times in order to, like, you're laughing from one thing and you miss, like, the next three things that go so quickly, but it's really good. Yeah, hopefully we'll get a chance to watch that. I know we've, that one's definitely on the yeah, list, but we just have to wait for somebody to It's just to one it. of my favorites. It's so so silly, and it's like very tongue-in-cheek. It does not take itself seriously at all, and it's it's really fun. Uh, well, thank you very much, Megan, for Thanks being for on the me. show. No problem. Yeah, it was super fun. I'm Thanks for giving me an excuse to watch a movie I hadn't seen before. That's the whole point. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yes. It's exactly what we were hoping for. Thank you for the podcast. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> So tune in next episode, we'll be discussing the 2013 film Nebraska. Well, that wraps it up. Thanks so much for joining us. We had a great time. And be sure to catch the next episode where we're uh, going to discuss another pop culture gem. Hope you really enjoyed it. Yes, and make sure to check us out on the social media trifecta of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. No Pinterest, though. That place sucks. (laughs) I'm
going with I don't know if orca. you want the context of what Orca is, but... Well, what is it? Sure, it. sure. <laughs> is it like an end-of-the-world type movie? Like there's a killer orca that's like, you know, off the shores of Tokyo? <laughs> O-R-C-A. Oh, thanks for spelling it, Charlie. Well, it could oh, it have is! Been... It is a 1977 disaster film thriller. This is this is going to be amazing. <laughs> a shark hunter, Richard Harris, a marine biologist, Richard Harris, okay, and an Indian <laughs> face a vengeful killer whale. Okay, this sounds amazing. It has 15 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty solid.